Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove, the podcast and YouTube channel to get a great night's sleep. Please listen to this episode in a place where you can safely go to sleep. This episode is sponsored by Harry's Razors. I've been using Harry's Razors myself and find them to be excellent quality, the shaving gel absolutely fantastic and at a really good affordable price. Also, I haven't really got the nicks and little cuts you often get with other shaving products, so I think they've been absolutely fantastic. Harry's was set up by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up with overpriced razors, and they started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. By taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price and they have amazing quality blades that are almost half the price as their leading five blade brand. With Harry's you can get a trial set which includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave with a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade and a rich lathering shave gel. You also get a travel blade cover. Get started shaving today with Harry's by claiming your free trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com sleep. Right now, go to harrys.com sleep to get your trial set. Now back to the podcast. I hope everyone's having a great relaxed week and you're all ready for the week ahead. And this episode is a collection of two of the grim fairy tales, including The Golden Bird and Hands and Luck. I hope you enjoy them. If you're new to the podcast, I'll introduce myself. My name's Christopher Fitton and I'm a qualified hypnotherapist and I often do very relaxing hypnosis, hypnotherapy and meditations within this podcast, but also I read out some classic fiction and classic stories which you may have heard or you may have not heard before. The sleep hypnosis episodes are designed to help you relax, go to sleep and also give you some skills and indirect suggestions which will help you with your everyday lives and hopefully forget about worries and help with anxiety problems you may be having as well. The stories I read out on the podcast are mostly gentle and designed to help you sleep and just forget about your worries and listen to something nice and interesting as as you drift off. It would be great to hear on social media or via email what kind of stories people like on the podcast. I've done Norse stories and fairy tales and Alice in Wonderland before. So it'd be interesting if you want to hear um, more of these type of stories. I've been doing a few crime mysteries lately and it'll be great to get some feedback from you. So please don't be shy to contact me or leave a message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And I would love to hear what everyone is thinking out there so I can make the podcast better for you in the long term. In the meanwhile, let's begin with tonight's story. 
hands and luck. Some men are born to good luck. All they do or try to do comes right. All that falls to them is so much gain. All their geese are swans. All their cards are trumps. Toss them which way you will. They will always, like poor puss, alight upon their legs and only move on so much the faster. The world may very likely not always think of them as they think of themselves, but what care they for the world? What can it know about the matter? One of these lucky beings was neighbour Hans. Seven long years he had worked hard for his master. At last he said, Master, my time is up. I must go home and see my poor mother once more. So pray pay me my wages and let me go. And the master said, You have been faithful and a good servant, Hans, so your pay shall be handsome. Then he gave him a lump of silver as big as his head. Hans took out his pocket handkerchief, put the piece of silver into it and threw it over his shoulder and jogged off on his road homewards. As he went lazily on, dragging one foot after another, a man came in sight, trotting gaily along on a capital horse. Ah, said Hans aloud, what a fine thing it is to ride on horseback. There he sits as easy and happy as if he was at home. In the chair by his fireside, he trips against no stones, save shoe leather, and gets on he hardly knows how. Hans did not speak so softly, but the horseman heard it all, and said, Well, friend, why do you go on foot then? Ah, said he, I have this load to carry. To be sure it is silver, but it is so heavy that I can't hold up my head, and you must know it hurts my shoulder sadly. What do you say of making an exchange? said the horseman. I will give you my horse, and you shall give me the silver, which will save you a great deal of trouble in carrying such a heavy load about with you. With all my heart, said Hans, but as you are so kind to me, I must tell you one thing. You will have a weary task to draw the silver about with you. However, the horseman got off, took the silver, helped Hans up, gave him the bridle into one hand and the whip into the other and said, when you want to go very fast, smack your lips together and cry, Jip. Hans was delighted as he sat on the horse, drew himself up, squared his elbows, turned out his toes, cracked his whip and rode merrily off. One minute, whistling a merry tune, and another singing. No care and no sorrow, a fig for the morrow, will laugh and be merry, sing May down Derry. After a time he thought he should like to go a little faster, so he smacked his lips and cried, Jip! Away went the horse full gallop, and before Hans knew what he was about, he was thrown off and lay on his back by the roadside. 
his horse would have run off if a shepherd who was coming by driving a cow had not stopped. Hans soon came to himself and got upon his legs again, sadly vexed, and said to the shepherd, This riding is no joke. When a man has the luck to get upon a beast like this, that stumbles and flings him off as if it would break his neck. However, I'm off now once and for all. I like your cow now a great deal better than this smart beast that played me this trick and has spoiled my best coat. You see in this puddle, which, by the by, smells not very like a nosegay. One can walk along at one's leisure behind the cow, keep good company, and have milk, butter and cheese every day into the bargain. What would I like to give to have such a prize? Well, said the shepherd, if you are so fond of her, I will change my cow for your horse. I like to do good to my neighbours, even though I lose by it myself. Done said Hans merrily. What a noble heart that good man has, thought he. Then the shepherd jumped upon the horse, wished Hans and the cow good morning, and he rode away. Hans brushed his coat, wiped his face and hands, rested a while, and then drove off his cow quietly and thought his bargain a very lucky one. If I only have a piece of bread and I certainly shall always be able to get that. I can, whenever I like, eat my butter and cheese with it, and when I am thirsty, I can milk my cow, drink the milk, and what can I wish for more? When he came to an inn, he halted, ate up all his bread, and gave away his last penny for a glass of beer. When he was rested, he set off again, driving his cow towards his mother's village, but the heat grew greater as soon as noon came on, till at last he found himself on a wide heath that would take him more than an hour to cross. He began to be so hot and parched that his tongue clave to the roof of his mouth. I can find a cure for this, thought he. Now I will milk my cow and quench my thirst. So he tied her to the stump of a tree and held his leathern cap to milk into, but not a drop was to be had. Who would have thought that this cow, which was to bring him milk and butter and cheese, was all that time utterly dry? Hans had not thought of looking to that. While he was trying his luck in milking and managing the matter very clumsily, the uneasy beast began to think him very troublesome, and at last gave him such a kick on the head as he knocked him down, and there he lay a long while senseless. Luckily, a butcher soon came by, driving a pig in a wheelbarrow. What is the matter with you, my man? said the butcher as he helped him up. Hans told him what had happened how he was dry and wanted to milk his cow, but found the cow was dry too. Then the butcher gave him a flask of ale, saying, There, drink and refresh yourself. Your cow will give you no milk. Don't you see she is an old beast, 
good for nothing but the slaughterhouse. Alas, alas, said Hans, who would have thought it? What a shame to take my horse and give me only a dry cow. If I kill her, what will she be good for? I hate cow beef, it is not tender enough for me. If it were a pig now, like that fat gentleman you are driving along at ease, one could do something about it. It would at any rate make sausages. Well, said the butcher, I don't like to say no when one is asked to do a kind neighbourly thing. To please you I will change and give you my fine fat pig for the cow. Heaven reward you for your kindness and self-denial, said Hans as he gave the butcher the cow and taking the pig off the wheelbarrow drove it away holding it by the string that was tied to its leg. So he jumped and all seemed now to go right with him. He met some misfortunes to be sure, but he was now well repaid for all. How could it be otherwise with such a travelling companion as he had at last got? The next man he met was a countryman carrying a fine white goose. The countryman stopped to ask what was the time. This led to a further chat, and Hans told him all his luck, how he had so many good bargains and how all the world went gay and smiling with him. The countryman then began to tell his tale, and soon he was going to take the goose to a christening. Feel, said he, how heavy it is, and yet it is only eight weeks old. Whoever roasts and eats it will find plenty of fat upon it. It has lived so well. You're right, said Hans, as he weighed it in his hand, but if you talk of fat, my pig is no trifle. Meantime the countryman began to look grave and shook his head. Hark ye, said he, my worthy friend, you seem to be a good sort of fellow, so I can't help doing you a kind turn. Your pig may get you into a scrape. In the village I just came from, the squire has had a pig stolen out of his sty. I was dreadfully afraid when I saw you that you had got the squire's pig. If you have and they catch you, it will be a bad job for you. The least you can do will be to throw it into the horse pond. Can you swim? Poor Hans was sadly frightened. Good man, cried he, pray get me out of this scrape. I know nothing of where the pig was either bred or born but he may have been the squire's, for aught I can tell you, you know this country better than I do, take my pig and give me the goose, I ought to have something into the bargain, said the countryman, give a fat goose for a pig indeed, tis not everyone would do so much for you as that, however, I will not be hard upon you, as you are in trouble, then he took the string in his hand, and drove off the pig, by a side path, while Hans went on his way, homewards free with care. After all, thought he, the chap is pretty well taken in. I don't care whose pig it is, but wherever it came from, it has been a very good friend to me. I have much the best of the bargain. First, there will be a capital roast. Then the fat will have me in goose grease for six months.
and there will be all the beautiful white feathers. I will put them into my pillow, and then I am sure I shall sleep soundly, without rocking. How happy my mother will be. Talk of a pig indeed. Give me a fine fat goose instead. As he came to the next village, he saw a scissor grinder with his wheel, working and singing. Over the hill and over dale, so happy I roam, work light and live well, all the world is my home, then who is so blithe, so merry as I? Hans stood looking on for a while, and said at last, You must be well off, Master Grinder, you seem so happy at your work. Yes, said the other, mine is a golden trade. A good grinder never puts his hand into his pocket without finding money in it. And where did you get that beautiful goose? I did not buy it. I gave a pig for it. And where did you get the pig? I gave a cow for it. And the cow? I gave a horse for it. And the horse? I gave a lump of silver as big as my head for it. And the silver? Oh, I worked hard for that seven years long. You have thriven well in the world hitherto, said the grinder. Now, if you could find money in your pocket, whenever you put your hand in it, your fortune would be made. Very true, but how is that to be managed? How? Why, you must turn a grinder like myself, said the other. You only want a grindstone. The rest will come of itself. Here is one, but it is but little worse for wear. I will not ask more than the value of your goose for it. Will you buy? How can you ask? said Hans. I should be the happiest man in the world. If I could have money, whenever I put my hand in my pocket, what could I want more? There's the goose. Now, said the grinder, as he gave him, a common rough stone that lay by his side. This is a most capital stone. Do but work it well enough, and you can make an old nail cut with it. Hans took the stone and went his way with a light heart. His eyes sparkled with joy, and he said to himself, Surely I must have been born in a lucky hour, Everything I could want or wish for myself comes true. People are so kind. They seem really to think I do them a favour in letting them make me rich, giving me good bargains. Meanwhile, he began to be tired and hungry too, for he had given away his last penny in his joy at getting the cow. At last he could go no farther for the stone tied him sadly, and he dragged himself to the side of a river, that he might take a drink of water and rest a while. So he laid the stone carefully by his side on the bank, but as he stooped down to drink, he forgot it, pushed it a little, and it rolled down plump into the stream. For a while he watched it sinking into the deep clear water, then sprang up and danced for joy, and again fell upon his knees and thanked heaven, with tears in his eyes, for its kindness in taking away his only plague, 
the oakly heavy stone. How happy am I, cried he, nobody was ever so lucky as I. Then he got up with a light heart, free from all his troubles, and walked on till he reached his mother's house, and told her how very easy the road to good luck was. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh you get fresh quality ingredients for delicious dinners you can cook at home. You get easy to read six step recipe cards to cook delicious, fuss free dinners. There's a huge range of recipes to choose from and options to suit every lifestyle and taste. From family recipes, rapid recipes on the table in 20 minutes or less, vegetarian and special limited edition recipes. HelloFresh takes the stress out of supermarket shopping and meal planning. Get 50% off your first HelloFresh recipe box and 35% off your next three with the code SLEEPCOVE. HelloFresh provides all the fresh seasonal ingredients and step-by-step recipe cards to cook up delicious dinners and they're delivered straight to your door anytime that suits you. You get a weekly flexible subscription that has no minimum terms and means you can change, pause or cancel deliveries whenever you need to. So get 50% off your first HelloFresh recipe box and 35% off your next three with the code SLEEPCOVE. That again is the code SLEEPCOVE. I hope you enjoy. The Golden Bird A certain king had a beautiful garden, and in the garden stood a tree which bore golden apples. These apples were always counted, and about the time when they began to grow ripe, it was found that every night one of them had gone. The king became very angry at this, and ordered the gardener to keep watch all night under the tree. The gardener sat his eldest son to watch, but about twelve o'clock he fell asleep, and in the morning another of the apples was missing. Then the second son was ordered to watch, and at midnight he too fell asleep, and in the morning another apple was gone. And the third son offered to keep watch, but the gardener at first would not let him, for fear some harm would come to him. However, at last he consented, and the young man laid himself under the tree to watch. As the clock struck twelve, he heard a rustling noise in the air, and a bird came flying that was of pure gold, and it was snapping at one of the apples with its beak. The gardener's son jumped up and shot an arrow at it, but the arrow did the bird no harm, only it dropped a golden feather from its tail and then flew away. The golden feather was brought to the king in the morning, and all the council was called together. Everyone agreed that it was worth more than all the wealth of the kingdom. But the king said, One feather is no use to me 
I must have the whole bird. Then the gardener's eldest son set out and thought to find the golden bird very easily. And when he had gone but a little way, he came to a wood, and by the side of the wood he saw a fox sitting. So he took his bow and made ready to shoot at it. Then the fox said, Do not shoot me, for I will give you good counsel. I know what your business is, and that you want to find the golden bird. You will reach a village in the evening, and when you get there, you will see two inns opposite to each other, one of which is very pleasant and beautiful to look at. Go not in there, but rest for the night in the other, though it may appear to you to be very poor and mean. But the son thought to himself, What can such a beast of this know about the matter? So he shot his arrow at the fox, but he missed it, and it set up its tail above its back and ran into the wood. Then he went his way, and in the evening came to the village where the two inns were, and in one of these were people singing and dancing and feasting, but the other looked very dirty and poor. I should be very silly, said he, if I went to the shabby house and left this charming place. So he went to the smart house and ate and drank at ease and forgot the bird and his country too. Time passed on and as the eldest son did not come back and no tidings were heard of him, the second son set out and the same thing happened to him. He met the fox, who gave him the good advice, but when he came to the two inns, his eldest son was standing at the window where the merrymaking was, and called him to come in, and he could not withstand the temptation, but went in and forgot the golden bird and his country in the same manner. Time passed on again, and the youngest son too wished to set out into the wide world to seek for the golden bird, but his father would not listen to it for a long while, for he was very fond of his son and was afraid that some ill luck might happen to him also and prevent his coming back. However, at last it was agreed he should go, for he would not rest at home and, as he came to the wood, he met the fox, and heard the same good counsel. But he was thankful to the fox, and did not attempt his life as his brothers had done. So the fox said, sit upon my tail, and you will travel faster. So he went down, and the fox began to run, and away they went over stone and stock, so quick that the hare whistled in the wind. When they came to the village, the son followed the fox's counsel, and without looking about him, went to the shabby inn, and rested there all night at his ease. In the morning came the fox again, and met him as he was beginning his journey, and said, Go straight forward till you come to a castle, 
before which lie a whole troop of soldiers, fast asleep and snoring. Take no notice of them, but go into the castle and pass on, and until you come to a room where the golden bird sits in a wooden cage. Close by it stands a beautiful golden cage, but do not try to take the bird out of the shabby cage and put it into the handsome one, otherwise you will repent it. Then the fox stretched out his tail, and the young man sat himself down, and away they went, over stock and stone, till their hair whistled in the wind. Before the castle gate, all was as the fox had said, so the sun went in and found the chamber where the golden bird hung in a wooden cage, and below stood the wooden cage, and the three golden apples, which had been lost, were lying close by it. Then he thought to himself, it would be very droll to bring away such a fine bird in the shabby cage. So he opened the door and took hold of it and put it into the golden cage. But the bird set up such a loud scream that all the soldiers awoke and they took him prisoner and carried him before the king. The next morning the court sat to judge him and when all was heard, it sentenced him to die, unless he should bring the king a golden horse, which would run as swiftly as the wind, and if he did this, he was to have the golden bird given him for his own. So he set out once more on his journey, sighing and in great despair, when on a sudden his friend the fox met him and said, You see now what has happened on account of you not listening to my counsel. I will still, however, tell you how to find the golden horse. If you will do as I bid you, you must go straight on till you come to the castle where the horse stands in his stall. By his side, which lie the groom fast asleep and snoring, Take away the horse quietly, but be sure to put the old leathern saddle upon him, and not the golden one that is close by it. Then the sun sat down on the fox's tail, and away they went over stock and stone, till their hair whistled in the wind. All went right, and the groom lay snoring with his hand upon the golden saddle. But when the sun looked at the horse, He thought it was a great pity to put the leathern saddle upon it. I will give him the good one, said he. I am sure he deserves it. As he took up the golden saddle, the groom awoke and cried out so loud that the guards ran in and took him prisoner. And in the morning he was again brought before the court to be judged and was sentenced to die but it was agreed that if he could bring thither the beautiful princess, he should live and have the bird and the horse given for his own. Then he went away very sorrowful, but the old fox came and said, Why did you not listen to me? If you had, you would have carried away 
both the bird and the horse. Yet will I once more give you counsel. Go straight on, and in the evening you will arrive at a castle. At twelve o'clock at night, the princess goes to the bathing house. Go up to her, give her a kiss, and she will let you lead her away. But take care you do not suffer her to go, and take leave of her father and mother. Then the fox stretched out his tail, and so away they went over stock and stone, till their hair whistled again. As they came to the castle, all was as the fox had said, and at twelve o'clock the young man met the princess going to the bath, and gave her the kiss, and she agreed to run away with him, but begged with many tears that he would let her take leave of her father. At first he refused, but she wept still more and more, and fell at his feet, till at last he consented, but the moment she came to her father's house, the guards awoke, and he was taken prisoner again. Then he was brought before the king, and the king said, You shall never have my daughter, unless in eight days you dig away the hill that stops the view from my window. Now this hill was so big that the whole world could not take it away, and when he had worked for seven days and had done very little, the fox came again and said, Lie down and go to sleep, I will work for you. And in the morning he awoke, and the hill was gone. So he went merrily to the king, and told him that now it was removed, he must give him the princess. Then the king was obliged to keep his word, and away went the young man and the princess, and the fox came and said to him, We will have all three, the princess, the horse, and the bird. Ah, said the young man, that would be a great thing, but how can you contrive it? If you will listen to me only, said the fox, it can be done. When you come to the king, and he asks for the beautiful princess, you must say, here she is. Then he will be very joyful, and she will mount the golden horse that they are to give you, and put out your hand to take leave of them, but shake hands with the princess last. Then lift her quickly onto the horse behind you, clap your spurs to his side, and gallop away as fast as you can. All went right, then the fox said, When you come to the castle where the bird is, I will stay with the princess at the door, and you will ride in, speak to the king, and when he sees that it is the right horse, he will bring out the bird, but you must sit still, and say that you want to look at it, to see whether it is the true golden bird, and when you get it into your hand, ride away. This too happened as the fox said, they carried off the bird, the princess mounted again, and they rode on to a great wood. Then the fox came and said, pray kill me, cut off my head and my feet, but the young man refused to do it, so the fox said, I will at any rate give you good counsel, beware of two things, 
ransom no one from the gallows and sit down by the side of no river. Then he went away. Well, thought the young man, it is no hard matter to keep that advice. He rode on with the princess, till at last he came to the village where he had left his two brothers, and there he heard a great noise and uproar, and when he asked what was the matter, the people said, Two men are going to be hanged. As he came nearer he saw that the two men were his brothers, who had turned robbers. So he said, Cannot they in any way be saved? But the people said no, unless he would bestow all his money upon the rascals and buy their liberty. Then he did not stay to think about the manor, but paid what was asked and his brothers were given up, and he went on with them towards their home. And as they came to the wood, where the fox first met them, it was so cool and pleasant that the two brothers said, Let us sit down by the side of the river and rest a while to eat and drink. So he said yes and forgot the fox's counsel and sat down on the side of the river and while he suspected nothing, they came behind and threw him down the bank and took the princess, the horse and the bird and went home to the king their master and said, All this we have won for our labour. Then there was great rejoicing made, but the horse would not eat and the bird would not sing, and the princess wept. The youngest son fell to the bottom of the river's bed. Luckily it was nearly dry, but his bones were almost broken, and the bank was so steep that he could find no way to get out. The old fox came once more and scolded him for not following his advice, otherwise no evil would have befallen him, yet he said, I cannot leave you here, so lay hold of my tail and hold fast, and he pulled him out of the river and said to him as he got upon the bank, your brothers have set watch to kill you, if they find you in the kingdom. So he dressed himself up as a poor man and came secretly to the king's court and was scarcely within the doors when the horse began to eat and the bird began to sing and the princess left off weeping. Then he went to the king and told him all his brother's roguery and they were seized and punished and he had the princess given to him again and after the king's death he was heir to his kingdom. A long while after he went to walk one day in the wood and the old fox met him and besought him with tears in his eyes to kill him and cut off his head and feet and at last he did so and in a moment the fox was changed into a man and turned out to be the brother of the princess who had been lost a great many many years.